Baseball 365 Podcast. And here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 95 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, host of this show, and thank you for taking some time from your week to spend with us. You can follow the show on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at Justin Hughes 365 and you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82. If you haven't done so yet, join our Facebook group, Baseball365, where we have over 2,100 members, and the good majority of them are active in the group in one way, shape, or form every week. I, I'm able to look, and usually when I look in the past week, it's like sixteen to 1,800 of them are active during that week in some way. Maybe they're looking at a post. I don't know exactly how the Facebook algorithm works, but it's a good group for activity, talking baseball, talking about dynasty leagues, draft and holds, whatever as players are being signed or traded right now, all kinds of good conversations going on over there. And if you would like to support the show, hop onto iTunes and give us a five-star rating and leave us a nice review. We would be very appreciative if you took a couple moments and did that. And as always, all of these plugs will be in the show notes. On tonight's episode, it's time to get into position previews. It's the 1st of January, and that's when we start, or it's the beginning of January, I guess. Andrew, I think we actually recorded on the 1st, but Andrew and I are going to cover first base tonight. We will go down the NFBC ADP and give our thoughts on a lot of the players listed. And it's time to get Andrew on. And Andrew, as we always start with a question of the week, I thought we'd touch on this Lindor trade for a bit. Cleveland finally trades Lindor and adds Carrasco to the deal also. And they go to the Mets, and they get back middle infielders Ahmad Rosario, Andres Jimenez, some prospects, Josh Wolf, and Isaiah Green. I think they're both prospects. Anyway, new owner Steve Cohen has made a big splash now that he owns the team. Lindor's been moved. What's your reaction to this deal? Um, pretty, pretty lopsided, really. I mean, I feel like the Mets won it pretty easily. Yeah. Do you think the Indians waited too long here to move them? Or do you think they should have held on? Or, I'm sorry, should have, I mean, because they're competing, it's kind of tough. The last couple of years they've been competing, but waiting longer now this is what they're getting back yeah yeah i just i don't really get it i feel like they can can still compete and especially the carrasco side of it too i mean yeah it, that adds so much more to it um so yeah just kind of weird all around for me i mean rosario and jimenez have some promise but lindor's a superstar and carrasco's pretty close so it's just been a sad offseason for a bunch of teams. And add the Indians to the list here. I think their payroll is now $40 million for what it's projected to be in 2021, or at least that's what I saw on roster resource. And I just think this is a big problem in baseball every offseason. I just get sad when I see stuff like this. Lindor's a star, and being he's being moved because the team can't pay him. Uh, the I just... the disparity between the top and bottom teams are i mean it's five to ten times work difference here and i just i don't know how we fix this problem with player salaries i mean players do make little to nothing for three or four years and under team control 
Then they start making better money in arbitration under team control for a few more years by the time they hit free agency. And teams just don't want to sign the stars to big, long contracts because it could look ugly on the back end. I, I don't know how to fix this. If we need fewer years of team control or cap floor, I, I don't know. But I feel like something's got to change because every year it seems like it's we see this. And I don't know. It's It's frustrating. Yeah, I think the the Indians are near the bottom, aren't they now? Oh in yeah, payroll. Oh yeah, like maybe maybe even at the bottom. I I didn't look, but I I didn't look at the list. But forty two million, you're going to be near the bottom. So yeah. Anyway, the, uh, we can't spend too much time on that because we have a lot to cover. We're going to be talking first baseman, and this will probably end up being split into two shows. I'm, I'm very confident. But as we did last year, I wanted to start this off with looking at the 2020 top 10 first baseman in their ADP. And number one was Cody Bellinger going in the first round, fifth overall. Freddie Freeman was just near the wheel at 16 overall. Then we had Pete Alonzo as the third first baseman going at the 2-3 wheel. Anthony Rizzo, 62 overall. DJ LeMahieu was 65. Paul Goldschmidt, 66. Matt Olson, 67, Max Muncy, 76, Jose Abreu, 78, and 10th was Josh Bell at 90 overall. So seeing this top 10 list a year later, what's your reaction? Uh, I mean, a lot of similar names, you know, usual suspects, whatever you want to call it. There's kind of in a, kind of in a different order this year, but, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of similar guys that you see in there this year. So we're gonna do this with every position, and this might be the best of them in terms of holding up. I think this is a yeah. pretty good list in terms oh, of yeah. yeah, guys are gonna mix around, but a lot of those guys are gonna be on this list too. Or and if they do, are down from there, they're not down far. Right. Yeah. None of them were too bad, really. So after doing a few drafts, what are your thoughts on this position as a whole and how are you attacking this position in drafts? Well, I mean, I personally think first base is deep, really deep, actually. And I mean, I think there's, you know, a combination of things. I mean, just last year into this year, you've had Voight with a breakout. Vlad gained eligibility there. Dom Smith with a breakout. Alec Bohm called up. Miguel Sano gained eligibility there. Hosmer bounced back. Mount Castle called up. Jared Walsh called up. Cronenworth called up, and he's eligible at first. And Mancini's back. So when you add all of those guys to the usual guys, and then add fall. on, right, and add on the fact that. Freeman and Abreu won the MVPs. <laughs> I mean, it's, I just feel like the position as a whole is much stronger than last year when everybody was kind of panicking to get a top first baseman. Um, I'm personally waiting on the position this year. Um, and it really has little to do with the guys at the top. I think the guys at the top are awesome, but um, I just feel more comfortable building a little differently. We'll get into it kind of as we go through, but um, I just feel like I can wait on it and still get production at the position. So, Would you say part of the reason is also roster construction in terms of you're trying to get speed early and where some of these top guys are? 
you're not getting that speed to where you're hurting later. Would you think that's right. part of it? Yeah. Yeah. Speed and, um, pitching. I mean, that's, that's a yes. big thing too. And, and first basemen uh, usually don't have speed and can't pitch and they don't pitch. Yes. That's, <laughs> that's definitely, uh, definitely the case, but yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's a lot of it really. It's, it's, it's nothing to do with their skill sets as much as it is just, uh, how much you can feel you, how much of it you can feel like you can replicate later on. And then, um, yeah, just kind of how you want to build your team. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, let's get started here. And we're going to start with the top two first basemen right off the bat. They're going within a two picks of each other. Freddie Freeman with an ADP of 13.4 and Cody Bellinger with four, 14.99. And Cody's also outfield eligible. Of those two, who would you rather have as your fr- – who would you be more likely to take in a him or him game? Uh, I would take – like just straight up, I would take Freddie first. Okay. Why do you prefer yeah. him? Um, I just trust his bat uh, pretty much to the extreme. I mean, I think if if you're looking for like four-category floor – early in the draft uh he's i mean he's as good as anybody you know mm-hmm. so um that's it for me i feel like with bellinger there's a little more volatility uh since last july 1st he's hit 249 i believe it's his last 130 games so i just feel like the batting average is a little bit all over the place i'm not really sure what i'm getting there he does have incredible power and speed which is nice and obviously he's in a great lineup, so dual eligible. There's things to like there, too. But I would take Freeman, although, like I said, I mean, I'm probably not getting either one unless it's an exact scenario where I'm picking on the end. And e- even then, I-, I think that I would find um, like a five-category bat or a or a pitcher that I, I liked. I just – so much to do with the position, but, yeah, just kind of how I'm – wanting to build this year what about you who do you like more i think it's a coin toss i honestly think it might be bellinger for me but freeman is a very very i mean he's about as safe as it gets for four category production bellinger that's interesting that he at 249 that you just said since july 1st and to clarify you mean july 1st 2019 correct 20 yes yes i'm sorry i should yeah if i didn't say that yeah yeah you said last year and i was like wait yeah sorry about that i was i meant the previous season added on to 2020 yeah the reason i'm still holding faith i think they're i mean i'd have he only hit 239 this last year and i've but the strikeout rate was still incredibly low at 17% with a 12% walk rate. And But the difference for me is the speed. I'd just go on and try to get those 15 steals that he's gotten and paced for the last three years in a row. And I know you've been one that said, and I do agree, that it could go, it could disappear and go at any point, and it could become five, two to five steals. But as long as he's still doing it, I think I would still go Bellinger. But I, I'm I'm probably more like you. I'm less likely to take either one of these guys. But that does bring me to my next follow up question before we move on. How far do you think they'd have to slip in a draft before you'd be you would be taking them? Oh, I mean, not terribly far. I I think that the first round bats 
I would take all, you know, like Story, Jose Ramirez. Um, I would take them over him. But let's Lindor, say Harper. See, see like, Lindor, Harper? Yeah, yeah, I think I would take Harper over both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, possibly even Bo and Lindor. I just, like I said, it's a building thing. Like, I want... Yeah five category hitter or I want a pitcher and I'll tell you like there's pitchers I would take too. you know, probably my top eight, nine pitchers maybe. So I just, I just don't think I'm drafting them, but uh, again, it's, it's more to do with the position later on than it is to do with them because you know, it's not like if somebody's sitting there at the eighth overall pick or the seventh, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth, whatever, and they draft one of these guys like Freeman or Bellinger, that's fine. Like it's totally fine. If that's the route you want to go, I, I totally get it. It's not for me, but it, it's not like I'm going, Oh, that was a bad pick. It's just people like to build their team a little bit differently. And if that's what you're comfortable with, that's, that's fine. It's there. There's really no spot other than maybe like the top five where I'd be like, wow, they're crazy. You know, it's, they're really good players, obviously. So I want to ask one more and then we'll move on. Let's say you're picking 10th and you took Bieber in the first and it's back around to you at pick 21. All the bats that you just mentioned are gone. The next best like ADP bats are Albies and um, Kyle Tucker. Those are the guys that have got the ADP there up in the late second. And it's those guys and it's guy pitchers like Luis Castillo or Max Scherzer. Do you think, and you've got Bieber as your first round pick. Would you just go with the arm anyways? Or do you think you'd take Freeman at that point? I'd be I'd be close between Freeman and Castillo. Yeah, I was wondering. Yeah, it'd be it'd be close. Okay, let's move on. Um, third overall amongst first basemen is DJ LeMahieu with an ADP of twenty eight. And just like last year, we're gonna cover. I'm gonna try to cover these guys at the main position they play whenever we're talking infielders. If they've got infield and outfield eligibility, odds are we'll talk about them as an infielder, just because. That outfield so dang deep. And we'll move on to Jose Abreu with an ADP of 34. Um, Abreu has been a back half of the top 100 player for the fat past few years. And he's been a guy I've liked year after year taking in that fifth, sixth round. This year, his price is up after winning MVP. He's a top 40 player. So are you comfortable taking him in the third round at that price? Um, I think it's fine when I see it happen <laughs> again, it's kind of the same thing. Like it's, it's probably not a pick I'm going to make because I'm looking for, uh, some semblance of, you know, like third round, like kind of in that spot, like 34, I'd like something a little bit more scarce than what he brings. Uh, something like Albies or real Muto where I feel like I'm getting the best player to position and some speed, obviously, or my second pitcher. I, li- I kind of like getting two pitchers in the top three or four rounds. Um, so I'm probably passing on a brave too, but uh, again, I-, I think it's a fine pick anywhere around two, three wheel. Who? Um, How he, about you? It, what do you, I mean, is he same? Is he uh, going uh, in the right range? I, I like another thing to keep in mind too, is like a a year ago was going 78 has the monster season shortened season. And now he's going 34. It's like, I mean, can he really outproduce this? I know he's a very high floor player. Like he's not going to kill your team by drafting him. But um, 
I, I feel like there is nowhere to go but down for yes. him. Yes, I. So I'm out on this price. I'm just I don't ha- like when you look at the guys below him. I do believe he's the. Let's take Lemayhew out. He's the third guy to own yeah. this year. Agreed. But I just don't want to buy him off of the high season personally. Because he, I agree, he's a floor guy, and he's got a better lineup around him than he's probably ever had in Chicago. So it wouldn't surprise me if he still has a fantastic season. But I just, I mean, this is going to be the first time in three or four years that I've been out on him at his price. It's just too high for my liking for roster construction. But he, I do, and I guess we both agree, he's the third first baseman to take. Because if you draft LeMahieu, you're probably not putting him at first base anyways. Okay. Yeah, no, definitely, yeah. Let's move on to the next three. Uh, Vlad Jr. at 57.49, uh, Pete Alonzo at 58, and Luke Voigt at 61. So these guys are all coming going within five picks of each other, four picks, I guess. How would you rank these three personally? I think I'd rank them in the order that you said, Vlad, Alonzo, Voigt. Okay, I was I was curious where you would have Vlad with the other two because I honestly I expected the other two to be back to back and Vlad was going to be first or third. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think Vlad has the best hit tool of the three, and while it hasn't completely shown up yet, I mean I think it's pretty clear if it does, it's like that's the moment you want to be in. Um, I've always been a Vlad guy. I'll say that. I don't think I'm going to have any redraft shares of him this year. And it has to do with everything I've said previously. You know, it's just, uh, it kind of sucks, honestly. Yeah, that's I, a guy. I have, I mean, I have a couple dynasty shares, so I'll be all about it. You know, like I'm totally rooting for it. But um, these guys, I mean, like I, definitely, I definitely don't want Alonzo and Void here. I just, there's guys uh, below this that I feel like, or one specifically that I feel like is the same as Alonzo, like the same guy just going later. And again, with Voight, you're buying the top end. I mean, he's had injury. I think he's had injury issues every single year of his career, including last year. And um, I don't really know where you see any type of profit potential here, unless he just completely repeats everything he did last year. So if I had to take one of these three, it would be Vlad, but I'm, pro- again, probably passing on this group. I put this out for the Facebook group, again, asking questions about first base position, and the first one comes up here from our buddy Ryan Andrew. He asked, buy or sell Vlad being a top five first baseman in 2021? And, you know, follow up, he didn't say this, but, you know, he's reportedly lost 30 pounds this offseason. And I put in parentheses again because he (laughs) did the same thing last offseason. Unfortunately, by his own admission, he um, whenever the shutdown happened, he started eating a lot again and got unhealthy and gained that weight back going into the bet when the season came back. So what do you think, you know? Where are you at on this in terms of the idea of him possibly being a top five first baseman this year? I will, I'll buy it. I I mean, I think it's really, you know, it's all about hitting the ball in the air. I mean, he still hits the ball hard. He hits the ball on the ground too much. 
once he makes that change, if, if and when he does, it's going to be a beautiful thing. I mean, everybody's going to want him. And the next time you look up, he might be going in the top 20. You know, I mean, it's just it's one of those things when it flips, it's it's going to be crazy. But when that exactly is going to happen, it's it's hard to say. I mean, it might not be immediate, but it could be. I mean, I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to say right now. So but um yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really fun to watch when it happens. Man, you, I I'm looking at his baseball savant right now for the yeah. first time this off season, and it is kind of it's surprising to look at because you look at the exit velocity and hard hit rate, and they're both in the 93rd percentile in the league. So he hits the ball hard, and everything else is above average. And then you get to the launch angle, and I mean, those launch angles are terrible. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's just all about getting the ball in the air. You're right. Yeah, you would think it would be, I don't know, like easier than it's been, I guess, would be the best mm-hmm. way I can put it. But um, the one thing to keep in mind, too, is, like, he's 21 years old. Uh, like, he's done. You know? It's just, I, I, I keep going back to this, but it's like, there's guys that are 23, 24 that are just breaking in or not even started yet. and. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even if it takes a couple more years, I mean, I don't know. There's just so much time left for him to figure it out. And I feel like it's going to happen, but pegging exactly when it's going to happen is pretty difficult. You're, you vote, I mean, we've talked about Dynasty and where we had him ranked the previous couple years. And I think we both agreed a year or two ago that he was a top five Dynasty asset. So I'm about to ask you a question. Is he still a top 15 dynasty asset in your mind? Would you take him in the first round of a dynasty startup still right now? You answer first. I'll give my answer after you. No, I didn't. I didn't even honestly think about this. I'll tell you this. I was looking on Twitter a week ago, and this is where I got the question. And I saw a buddy of mine who was in a dynasty startup, and he took him eighth overall. And I cringed when I saw it. I'm like, I don't know if I could do that now. But that was eighth. I don't know if I don't know if I can because I don't know if I can. The reason I'm asking your opinion is because I, I feel like you're gonna just agree with me, and I want to know what you think on this. That's fair because I I do trust your takes a lot. I think I would have them outside my top fifteen. I probably really need to do some digging and looking at the list before I'm certain. But I think I could probably come up with 15 guys I'd rather have in a dynasty league. I think your answer is going to be yes. What do you say? Um, I think it's close. I think I think he's right in. Like I haven't, I don't have a list. You know, like I didn't make a list, but I I would have him probably off the top of my head in the 12 to 20 range, okay. somewhere in there. Yeah, possibly outside the top 15. Yeah. So but quick not, copy not in mind because I'm saying I'm not sure, but I'm thinking he's right there. I was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I just I just wanted to hear like a mm-hmm. genuine answer because I, I mean, there's there's possibly people that think we're crazy, you know, like oh, I yes. mean that it's still too high. I mean, like, but it's just again, it's one of those things. It's like if you believe in this and it happens, even in the next year or two, you've got. You've got a stud still for a long time. So yes. I don't want to completely 
get off of that. But I also, you know, I feel like you have to pull back some. And I, I definitely have, so. And he doesn't have, he's not going to be a guy that his body's going to age well. I'm now on that belief because he's, he's already fighting at the age of 21 to stay in shape. I worry that this is, I don't think this is a guy that's going to be able to have a career into his thirties unless he makes lifestyle changes every year. Like he has to work on this every year. And I worry about someone like that doing that to where. You know, a lot of these guys who would be even power hitters, I'm going to use Eloy Jimenez as an example. I don't know Eloy's age right off, probably 22, 23. I think Eloy has a much better chance of aging, even though he's a big body, so maybe that's not even correct. I just think more power sluggers. Juan Soto, Juan Soto. There's a good, there's uh, out of this world. See, with with Vlad, though, if it clicks the bat plays no matter where it like first base. It doesn't, it doesn't oh, yeah. matter. I'm, I agree I don't with care. that. You know, like that's, I'm, I don't, I don't feel, I, I worry more about that. If, if they aren't, you know, the hitter that we think he could become, it's then you start to wonder if the bat plays at first base. Cause you have to have a certain level for it to play there. But I'm just um, saying, I, think I don't know. I guess I don't worry about out as of much that, out of, out of yeah. being an elite player at some point. Um, let's move on. <laughs> we were going we could go on. I think two years ago when we just started doing these podcasts and we did our third base preview, we went on Vlad for 15 to 20 minutes. So I'm going to try to move on for our own sakes. <laughs> um, it's probably been, it's probably been 21 minutes. But uh, hey. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, Pete Alonzo and Luke Voigt, uh, ADPs are this close. And I thought that was funny to look at because I think you posted in baseball 365 a few months ago near the end of the season. You made a poll about these two guys asking who we'd rather have between them. Sure enough, now here we are and they're going three picks apart. Yeah, I I think um, I think I'd take neither. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not taking either one of them. I, I just know I'm not. I, I guess if I had to pick, I'd probably take Voigt, but I'm just not taking either one of them at this price. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break because I don't have anything to add to that. I, I'd just take whoever's later. I think that's the, the same yeah. you said at the time, and I agree yeah, with. Yeah, fair. I'll take whichever one's later. But let's take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we've got uh, six more outfield or first baseman grouped together here. Okay, like I said, I have six first basemen here to go over that are going between picks 88 and 102. So we're talking sixth, seventh round, I guess that would be. Hopefully I got that right. Um, Matt Olson at 88 overall is the eighth first baseman off the board. Dominic Smith at 93, probably not going to have first base eligibility a year from now unless Pete Alonzo gets hurt. Uh, Anthony Rizzo at 96. Max Muncy at 97, we'll probably save him for the second base pod just because I think that's where most people will be playing him who draft him. Alec Baum at 101 and Paul Goldschmidt at 102. I find that interesting. Baum 101, I, in my head, I was thinking he was playing third base this last year. I didn't realize till right now 
that he must have been playing first because it didn't even show him with third base eligibility. So that's interesting. Anyway. Yeah, I think I think he's first and third. Is he first sure. and third? Yeah, huh. pretty sure. I just missed that in the notes then. Uh, these guys are all grouped together, all picks around or within a round apart. First question, who do you like the most on this list? I think the top guy for me would be Rizzo. Um, I think he has kind of the the best floor, uh, probably him and Goldie too, but uh, just their floor for four-category production. I mean, you're not getting the steals out of anybody, so you're just kind of comparing that. I, I think, you know, Rizzo had the rough year with the batting average, but I think that it bounces back. Um and I just trust him for average and power as much as I do anybody here. So Olsen, I don't know. Like I, I view Olsen like I do Alonzo. He's at least going 30 picks later. To me, they're the same guy. It's low batting average. Low batting Yeah, I remember saying that last year. I think the gap was a little bit bigger last year. But low batting average, tons of power. Which one's going to hit more home runs? You tell me. I mean, it, it's close enough that I just don't see the reason for a 30-pick gap there. So. I'd have Alonzo probably a little lower to, to like uh, more towards this group, but I don't, I don't, I just don't really want Olsen either. I just, cause the batting averages, like I'm kind of looking for um, in these early rounds, I don't want to draft guys that are tanking my batting average, at least if I can help it. I mean, I know it's a little bit of a fluky stat, you know, and bounces around and stuff and you're not, ne- you can never nail it right on the head, but um, I feel fairly comfortable saying like those guys like Alonzo and Olsen are just going to hit for low average. And when you, when you do that, then it's, they're a three category player and that's if they score a ton of runs, which is up for debate. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you just, yeah, I would go, I would go Rizzo and uh, Goldschmidt. And I like, uh, I like Baum too, where he's going. Is this the group that you're probably taking your first baseman from given you've like you're liking, or you really don't like the guys going before this or do you think you're typically waiting longer on most of them typically waiting longer but i don't mind the like i would start really looking at it here i think i mean um i have no problem with like i said rizzo i took i actually took Baum in my last last draft not the one i'm in now but the one before and um i'm fine with goldie here too so i i would consider these guys but I do feel like I've gotten into a couple spots in my drafts where I'm like, I find a way to talk myself out of it because I know there's guys later that I like. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm probably waiting even further, but uh, I can also get behind drafting some of these guys. If you had asked me how you would have answered, I would have said I, I or what I think it would have taken for you to take one of these guys is for them to slip a round or two after where their right. MP is. And yeah, you're, you're probably bargain. Yeah, you're probably right on that. Uh, carrying on on Rizzo, you just his batting average did tumble to two twenty two this last year, and the power was still there. What would you project his batting average to be in two in twenty twenty one? I know it's a hard thing to do, but just... yeah, I would say like two seventy to two eighty somewhere okay. in there, which is what he's been the previous th- three years. He's been in the actually it was two ninety three the year before in twenty nineteen. And then 283, 273, 292, he's very consistently right in that range. 
And I think I, th I agree with you on that. It's not like the skills showed these huge drop-offs when you're looking at his stat cast data and everything else. I mean, exit velocity and hard hit were just slightly less. But when you're talking in a 60-game season, that's, that's not that big of a deal. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think Rizzo is a good value out of this group. Yeah, um, his, uh, his max exit velocity among all first basemen was second highest. So... And that kind of shows you that it's still in there. I mean, I just feel like he's still a good hitter. I don't think he'll have crazy, crazy home run total, but um, I think that the all-around uh, stat line could be pretty nice, especially if he hits like, even if he hits two sixty-five, you know, two seventy. So, and and I think he and I think he could hit higher than that. And he's never like looking at his last five years. He's never been a like extremely high exit velocity guy. When you look at it, he's league average, and I think I don't. I mean, just seeing that what and looking at his Fangraphs page and seeing a strikeout rate usually somewhere between twelve to sixteen percent, I think that's how he does it. Is he just puts the ball on the field so much that he does is able to get those power numbers up there and keep the batting average higher, and yeah, his steady producer right there. Um, everything looked good for Alec Baum, but the power, oddly enough. And Steamer projects 24 home runs. I wanted to ask you on that one. Would you take over or under on 24? I would take the over. Yeah? What would, yeah, you, think... what would you say? He... Um, I would say like 28 to 30, I think. Ooh, yes, you are big on him. Yeah, I like him. I think there's... I think that there's a possibility that he really breaks out. Yeah. Like I like like I'm talking top three to five first baseman, like going into next year. I think it's possible. I think it's in there. I mean I'm not for sure it'll happen. I, I think he's maybe um maybe a little bit of a hit over power guy, but I think it's close and I think that it's just one of these guys, you know, they've his bat's always been praised throughout the minors i mean good uh wrc pluses all the, all the way up and um he gets here produces i know he had inflated babip and stuff and you know it, it could like on a per game per game basis so to speak i mean some of that could be uh drop off like i don't think he's a 338 hitter obviously i mean He's not going to hit for that high of an average, but I do think he's going to be a pretty good average guy, and I think that the power could surprise. So, yeah, I definitely I definitely like him. I think that there's quite a bit of room for growth. You know the player that just went through my head as you were saying hit over hit over um, power, good hitter, so and could be a top guy at some point? Ryan Zimmerman. And I just went to his page, and, you know, when you look at what bombs <laughs> that is not that is not who i expected you to say <laughs> who'd you think i was gonna say no it's just ryan zimmerman i i feel like i haven't heard that name in three <laughs> years so <laughs> no but I, I i immediately thought of him i don't know why he just came through my head and you know looking at zimmerman's career i'm like yeah i can see him being that type of player and zimmerman was typically playing a full season in the mid-20s in home runs and hitting for a 280 to 300 batting average striking out yeah mid-teens on the mid to high teens in the percent rate. So, yeah, I can see that as a type of player. If you go look at Zimmerman's page, that bomb could be. Yeah, it's weird because he's never had, uh, like, he's a big 
you know, six, five big, long, you know, long levers. A lot of times those guys, they have the higher strikeout totals and he's never had that. Mm-hmm. So he's just, um, kind of different than, than you would expect as far as some of that goes. But yeah, I could even, I could even see the power getting to even higher levels than that, but I'm not going to expect that or anything. You know, it's not like I'm looking at him and thinking that that could happen, but, or should happen, but I think that it's possible that this is just a total stud. So we'll see. I mean, you expect maybe marginal growth and hope for more is kind of how I look at it with him. Uh, Next up, Ryan Andrew. He had a buy or sell on Goldie finishing outside the top 10 first baseman. I'm going to sell it, which might surprise because I'm not. I, I don't think I've been in love with Goldie. But I also will say that I think he's just such a safe player that he's going to probably be in there. Um, guy who always has a really high launch angle. So, I mean, I know he only hit six home runs this last year, and I was a little concerned about that until I did some digging this week. The launch angle's still there. Maybe not quite as high as it's been in previous years, but it's also just a partial season to where I think he'll still be a top 10 guy. What are your thoughts? I, yeah. I, yeah, back end of the top ten probably if yes. I had to if I had to guess. But yeah, I think he's probably in there. Um, if you I don't think you've given one yet. or maybe Olsen, would you, are any is anybody on this list you're just out on at that price? About Dom yeah, Smith? I I'm not I'm not in on Olsen, I'm not in on Dom Smith. I just I don't know. I just think that there's some regression coming. I think he's going too high. And um, Muncie, I know we're saving him for the second base podcast, but I don't really love him either. So, yeah, it's kind of like three and three here for me. Olsen, Dom Smith, and Muncie. I'm probably not taking Rizzo, Bohm, and Goldschmidt. I can get behind. Okay. All right. Well, we'll move on to the next tier of first baseman. we got three of them here, even though one of them we're going to cover another week. Uh, Mike Moustakas with an ADP of 127, and we'll cover him on the second base podcast because I believe that's where he'll be played more. Eric Hosmer at 136, and Ryan Mountcastle at 142. And I think we've been waiting a week on this one. It's time to discuss and argue about Eric Hosmer here. Um, you know, I we've had some chats going on where I've said some outlandish things that uh, I, I know I'm being bold on Hosmer, and I don't have to go into the whole spiel on why I like Eric Hosmer. I think I used this a couple weeks ago. I've said it probably three or four times in the last six months. Who are we kidding? But I'm buying in on this guy and what he did last year. Um, in the first six six weeks of the season, when I would look, go look at his stat cast page, everything was completely different than anything you'd see in terms of his launch angle. I'm trying to pull it up right now. I want to say it was in the negatives some of these years, and if it won twos, and it went from all of that to being a eight point or an eight point seven this last year, and I'm just bought I'm bought in on this swing change. I think something changed. Everything looks different when you look at his looked at those first six weeks, and it's kind of overlooked because he broke his. Um, here I said I'm not going to do the spiel, and I'm doing the spiel. I just well, you got to you got to do it. You got to do it though. I mean, it's first it's first base preview, and this is your okay. Guys, so that's true. <laughs> he broke his finger in the like September eighth, 
And he came back, and he wasn't that great at the end of the year because he pushed through to get back for, for the playoffs. So my two bold things, when talking about him and at Goldschmidt, I believe they're pretty much going to be the same guy. And I went a little extra bold just saying, I think straight up Eric Hosmer outproduces Goldschmidt. And I also, but I'm also going to admit as I say that, that I think they're pretty much the same guy. So I'd much rather have Hosmer three round or two rounds later because of that. But the thing that really I know got you irritated with me, or at least you thought I was out of my mind when I said it, was we were talking about his ceiling. And I made the call that I think Eric Hosmer's ceiling was something like 280 batting average, 350 OBP, with 30 home runs, 100 runs scored, and 120 RBI with 5 to 10 steals. No, no, no. You said 50 home runs. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, okay. I thought you I'm were messing, serious. I'm, messing. <laughs> I'm, messing. <laughs> I'm like, did you really misread that? Um, no, 30 home runs. <laughs> and I, I mean, part of that is the new swing. And part of that is he's just in the, he's got a lineup that's absolutely loaded around him. And I think he's going to be like he was in Kansas City, bringing in lots of runners just because of the fact of where the team that's here around him. Not I that I mean he could be on the Marlins and I would be projecting that he, I don't think I'd be projecting a hundred RBI. So, or I shouldn't say I'm projecting. I'm saying this is a ceiling if all the stars aligned. And now that I've said that, I'll just give it to you. Honestly, I don't really have a ton to say. I mean, you told me I was I, crazy. I don't. <laughs> well, I thought that I think that the ceiling. I think you said 32 home runs, by the way, for real. I think but you're right. I think you're right. I think that the the ceiling stuff, um, plus the runs and rib, I mean, 100 and 120, like 220 runs and rib, like it's just it, the number of guys that do that. It's just it's such a small number, you know. So I I just thought it was over the top, but I mean, Jose Abreu. I, that's Jose Abreu is my example of that, though. Jose Abreu, I mean, Hosmer's typically an 80-90 RBI guy. Abreu's typically 100, but so uh, I do get that. But uh, Hosmer, with a swing change, I think, in a normal year, he would be a better hitter. And then when you have that team around him, I just think that that ceiling is possible. I'm not even saying I think it's likely or anything like that, but I think it's in there. I think he has the possibility of being a top five first baseman. I mean, that's a top three first baseman if he does that. Yeah, I can kind of see it with the batting average, but I just I just don't see it really with the power. So I've got a uh, idea for a bet, but okay. I'm gonna save I'm gonna save it for. You'll understand why I saved it when we get to it. But this podcast, somebody down the yeah. line. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Down the line. Yep. Okay. Well, that's boring because we didn't argue as much as I expected there. <laughs> but um, I'll just move on. I'm really not. I mean, I'm I'm really not uh, anti Hosmer, like strong. I I seem like I am because you're so pro Hosmer. Yes. So I'm kind of br- trying to bring you down to like normal <laughs> levels here, you know. But um, I'm not. I'm not completely anti him. I I do kind of like to have some bankable power out of my first baseman, like more than he, I expect him to provide. Um, 
you know, if he provides the power. Like, I think he has a higher batting average floor than a lot of the first basemen, which is nice. But I just, I just don't, I'm not there with the power on him yet. Yeah. And I think that's what it is for me because, like, for me at this position, I've got to have the power. And if he's going to hit 18 home runs or something, I don't want him here, especially. Well, maybe we can get two bets here because his steamer projection is 24. Yeah, I'll I'll say he hits that. I'm saying it's the the downside or whatever. Yeah. Um, 24. I'll say he hits 24. That's fine. I'll take the under Okay. 24, 24 is a push 20. No, I'm saying he hits it. So, well, if you want to say 24 is a push, that's fine. Yeah. That, we'll just do 24 is a push. That's fine. Okay. I'll take, I'll take the under writing that down now which speaking of which i still have forgotten to write down all of our I know, previous bets i know you won't i know you won't forget that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot i I'm, i like i like my idea here too but it'll i be think on this, i'm looking this at the next tier. list and i think i know where you're going already yep. so we'll get you there. Already, you know <laughs> i don't know exactly the parameters but we'll get there in a second um we have two people who were asking about Ryan Mountcastle. Adam Vega and Tim Weber wanted our thoughts on him going into 2021. And Tim specifically brought up his BABIP, which was 398. So where are you at on Mountcastle? Uh, I'm, I'm probably not getting him here. I, I kind of get it, though, because the playing time is pretty locked in, and he's got a good bit of power and is always hit for high averages and stuff. He, his biggest problem is he doesn't walk in his defense and stuff, but um, could be a guy that hits for average and power potentially. So, uh, and like I said, the playing time's not a, not a risk. So, or for a young guy like that, you know, typically guys like Mountcastle who are just breaking in and not an elite prospect. Uh, there's some type of playing time risk, but I just don't really see it. I think he's going to play. So, I'm kind of just whatever on him. I'm not like no way, but I'm not really in either. Just kind of in between. You know, I took him in our first draft and hold, but I also knew he had slipped a bit in my opinion. It wasn't one. So I got him, but it wasn't like this. I've got to go get this guy. I took him in the 13th round, the seventh pick. So we're talking 187 with an ADP of 142. So I was happy to get him because I thought I got him. He went lower. Um, I do like Mountcastle. I think even the walk improved to what he, the best he had ever shown anywhere through his stops at 7.9% this last year. And that's not great, but when you look at what he was doing in the minors, I mean, he's been in the 3 to 5% the majority of his minor league career up until this last year. Yeah, the 398 BABIP is going to, like, that's not sustainable. He's not a 333 hitter, but I do think he could be a 270, 280 hitter who hits in the mid to high 20s and home runs. So, yeah, I think he's a good player. And like you said, the batting average. I like Mountcastle. I don't know if I'd, I'd have him lower than this, though, and a few guys on the next tier a little higher specifically. So Yeah, it's kind of like I'm always looking where not only it's just the player himself, but, you know, in comparison to everyone else. Mm-hmm. And as I kind of scroll down here, um, my favorites at the this position are all still yet to be talked about. 
consider for where they're being drafted. Yes. So that just kind of gives you an idea. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, I could draft Mount Castle here or I can draft some of these other guys later. And I think they can be just as good, if not better. Okay, and this is where we are going to cut off the first half of this position preview. Andrew and I will be back in a couple days, and we're going to talk about all of the rest of the first baseman after the top 16. Andrew and I will get a couple uh, 365 wagers put in there, like he hinted, and we'll hear about all three of the guys that are his favorite values at the position. So thank you for listening to this episode. The next one will probably be out Monday morning. We appreciate y'all. Take care, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.